Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, the only free 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Bring your A-game. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. TGIF, everybody. Happy Friday to you, and thank you for tuning in to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, we've got a lot to get to. I know, I always say that, but uh, it's really, really true this time. Of course, it's usually really true. Uh, We are going to look ahead here to uh, Week 9. Where does the time go that it's Week 9? And yes, I know, that first week was a half week, but still. Almost two months into the season. Hard to believe it already. Uh, so we'll be uh, looking at the schedule. We kind of, with uh, Nando Thursday, Nando and I did a little bit of that previewing, looking at the two-star pitchers. I'll fill in a, a few of the, the blanks there that we didn't quite get to and look at the, the teams with the seven-game schedules, the five-game five schedules. Phillies have some interesting matchups. Get to all that. I'm going to do something a little different, though, uh, something I don't do much of on this show now for the last two weeks on Wednesdays I've had a DFS segment I take questions uh, from uh, those of you who ask about your daily lineups I talk a little bit about my daily lineups here and now but it's very rare that I devote a segment or a large part of a segment to a uh, a daily slate uh, for purposes not DFS but for a daily lineup I'm going to do that today because, first of all, we have a humongous nighttime slate, although that might get shrunk a little bit because there's bad weather in several places tonight. But we still, uh, even with that, should have a pretty healthy slate. It's all night games, so uh, there's no team, no player that I could talk about that you'd be dealing with a game in progress here. So uh, everything's wide open. Uh, for looking at uh, the the slate ahead for tonight, so I'm going to spend a little bit of time doing that. Plus, I just in putting together my daily lineups, I just noticed a lot of interesting matchups. Uh, there's always you know some, but just seemed like there were there were a few that were particularly uh, worth talking about. And plus, it's Friday, so there's no show tomorrow. So it's not like uh, and there's no show Sunday, so it's not like uh, you'd be getting the rundown on Friday's standout performers uh, because I typically just look at the one day before. So for all those reasons, I've decided to focus on tonight's slate and I'll be getting to that. But that won't stop me from also going back to Thursday's slate and looking at the standout performances there. And there were quite a few notable ones, a bunch from the A's lineup, Brandon Belt uh, achieving something cool and weird already less than two months into the season uh, and a lot more. So, but before all that, let's get to the news items. Not really, not that many today, uh, but some notable ones. Uh, Starling Marte finally placed on the disabled list with his oblique injury by the pirates. So uh, to replace him, they're calling up Austin Meadows, something a lot of us have been probably anticipating for a year or two. And uh, of course, last year, not only a disappointing year in terms of statistics for Meadows, but dealing with a lot of injuries. So uh, he really had kind of fallen off the radar. There was not nearly the buzz around him coming into this season, uh, you know, which is sort of interesting because the Pirates really had, uh, with, with Andrew McCutcheon gone, less of, uh, uh, you know, a, a really big roadblock for uh for uh, Meadows, and that's not to uh, to be disrespectful of Corey Dickerson at all, but it just seemed like, uh, you know, if there were more of an opportunity for Meadows to get a shot, it was actually going to be this year, and now it's happening. So, uh, yeah, Meadows not really having a uh, spectacular season uh, in the minors at AAA, but uh, we don't have a timetable 
on Marte. Uh, we all know, those of us who have been following baseball for a while or playing fantasy for a while, we know that oblique injuries can be really problematic and uh, can linger for a long time. So I don't have any idea how much Meadows is going to play, how long he is going to be up, and frankly, how well he's even going to do because there is that potential that he showed uh, you know, a couple years back before he dealt with all sorts of injuries. Of really, He was an exciting prospect because he didn't strike out a lot, yet he had a lot of power and looked like he had some potential to be maybe a 20-plus steals guy. Uh, so really a pretty, pretty complete package, and I think all those skills – you know, probably still there, uh, but in terms of the the stats, you know, this year certainly better than last year. He's batting two eighty one with uh, just one home run though, but eight stolen bases. So you figure, if nothing else, you could pick him up for a little bit of short term stolen base potential. Uh, but again, if he's only up for you know maybe two or three weeks, then uh, you know maybe you're only getting two or three steals for Meadows, but maybe it turns into something more, and maybe we get better performance. Not that it typically happens that somebody performs better in the majors than in the minors, but it does happen. So uh, Austin Meadows is you know certainly worth paying attention to. Uh, a fortunate uh, development for uh, Keenan Middleton. Uh, of course, he had uh, been out for uh, uh, since uh, I believe it was since the weekend. Uh, last game that he pitched, he left early uh, with uh, an elbow issue. And, uh, of course, he had not been back that long from a DL stint for elbow inflammation. And then it was uh, revealed this week that he had a UCL tear. And so he has decided to go the route of Tommy John surgery, which, you know, it was I think pretty much to be expected. But, you know, his teammate uh, Garrett Richards also tore his UCL and, and never had uh, the procedure. So uh, it was not a, a, an absolute given that Middleton was going to have it, but now he has decided after going and getting a second opinion that he is going to have the surgery. Meanwhile, still not really any strong clues as to who's going to be the Angels' closer. Middleton had that seemingly pretty well locked up before his DL stint came back, was being eased in perhaps into a closer's role again, never got there because of the injury. Jim Johnson seemed to be trending in that direction. Uh, last night, Johnson came in with a one-run deficit in the seventh inning, uh, gave up, uh, I believe it was three runs. So uh, he's not looking like a strong candidate at this point. So I think we're looking at probably at some combination of Justin Anderson, who actually has gotten the most recent save for the Angels, uh, Cam Pedrosian, who's always lingering out, uh, around in that mix and yet never quite nailing the job down. And maybe Blake Parker, who's pitched better of late and has been eased into higher leverage situations lately. So uh, I think that there's enough confusion there that I would not go out of my way to speculate on any one of them. But I think those are the three pitchers to watch Anderson, Bedrosian, and Parker. Uh, maybe giving Anderson ever so slight of an edge uh, due to maybe my own recency bias that he's gotten the most recent save. And because since being called up, he's been used pretty consistently in, in high leverage situations, although with, with mixed results. Uh, Justin Upton looks like uh, not nearly as bad as it, as it could have been for him. Uh, plunked on his left hand by Chris Archer last night, uh, but uh, no fractures. For Upton, so he is merely day to day as opposed to a DL stint. So really, I would have to say as good news as you could expect for Justin Upton, and also a pretty optimistic outlook for outlook for Nelson Cruz, who was uh, hit earlier in the week on the foot, and he says, according to MLB.com, that his foot is still sore, but the swelling's been reduced, and he's going to do some light. Actually, did, uh, did some light running yesterday, and may play today. Now, right before the show, there was only one lineup out, strangely enough, that was the White Sox uh, with a game in central time at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, that's uh, 710 starts central time. So none of the Eastern time 7 o'clock starts. I haven't seen any of those lineups out yet. And Mariners, uh, one of the latest starts, uh, that's going to be 710 on Pacific time against the Tigers and Michael Fulmer. So I don't expect that we're going to, maybe we'll get some confirmation on Twitter or something about whether or not Cruz is going to play. But at least as of right now, it is a possibility that Nelson Cruz will play tonight. 
DJ LeMayhew, of course, he's been on the DL. Uh, he uh, told MLB.com that he has a sprained and slight fracture in his left wrist that's not going to require surgery. He's uh, looking for the swelling to go down. And uh, if that does, uh, he could be swinging a bat again within a week or so. According to the Orange County Register, uh, Clayton Kershaw yesterday threw from 120 feet and the next step could be for him to throw off a mound. That same piece stated that uh, it's probably unlikely that when Kershaw uh, is ready to return that he's not going to actually go through a rehab assignment first. So I suppose that's good news. I mean, I, no, none of us, I think, want Kershaw to be rushed back, but uh, that would mean that he'd be back uh, potentially a little bit sooner than he would be otherwise, but still... Still no timetable for uh, Clayton Kershaw. No Braves lineup yet, but it's possible that uh, Dansby Swanson will be in it. And actually, literally, as that sentence is halfway out of my mouth, <laughs> I see that the Braves lineup is in and Swanson's not in it. Uh, Johan Camargo, uh, but I've never changed a news update in the middle of it uh, before that I can recall. But Johan Camargo batting eighth and playing shortstop for the Braves. And while I'm at it, uh, I can tell you Tyler Flowers with another start. On yesterday's show, I did say Donando seemed like he was getting the bulk of the playing time over Kurt Suzuki lately. Uh, and at least prior to today, it looked like it had been a pretty equal split for maybe the past week, or maybe a little more than a week. And Flowers getting a start again. But again, he's hitting well, so no big surprise there. And Ciarte batting sixth, Bautista batting seventh and playing third. Uh, Matt Wisler getting the start was that's interesting i actually i hadn't seen that before because i was expecting it was going to be max freed who was supposed to pitch uh last night but then game was postponed uh so yeah matt Wisler, not max freed uh getting the start against the marlins very interesting uh okay so yeah lineups are starting to to pop in but i'll catch up with the rest of those later so yeah Scratch that uh, prior update about Swanson. But it sounds like Swanson's really close. And he may, according to MLB.com, uh, since he is not in the lineup tonight, the, the alternative was he may go play a couple of re rehab games for Rome, uh, which I believe is Class A, uh, before being activated. So uh, that looks like that's what's going to happen with uh, Swanson. So not in there tonight. And if he's going to play a couple of rehab games, that sounds like maybe not back till Sunday. Uh, Andrew Triggs left his start against the Blue Jays early last night. He had a forearm nerve issue that caused some numbness and tingling in his uh, fingers and hands. Uh, so he has gone uh, back to the, uh, Oakland for some examination. So no uh, definitive diagnosis or timetable yet for Andrew Triggs, but it certainly looks like the A's are going to have to find uh, a replacement, I would think for his next turn in the rotation. But again, I haven't, haven't seen anything definitive about that. J.D. Martinez left the Red Sox game early yesterday with a stomach illness. Uh, I am assuming that's a day-to-day -day situation. I haven't seen anything more on that. So uh, before I do get on to uh, lineups, which I said are, are starting to trickle in, and uh, weather, where there's going to be a lot of uh, impactful uh, weather forecasts, uh, the Houston Astros have released a statement regarding the uh, shooting earlier today at Santa Fe High School. And I just want to say uh, personally that uh, if anyone out there is listening uh, in the Houston area that was uh, at all affected by the shooting, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I'm just very sorry. My thoughts are with you. And uh, it's just far too often that I have to, that I come on the show and, and talk about something like this. Uh, the Astros statement is, uh, that uh, they send their thoughts and prayers to, uh, out to the families and friends of all those affected by the senseless tragedy at Santa Fe High School today. They will hold a moment of silence prior to tonight's game and fly the Texas flags at Minute Maid Park at half staff in support and memory of the victims and their families. Uh, all right, well, moving on to uh, the weather forecasts. Uh, there are a number of games that are going to be affected. In fact, there are very few games that seems like, other than, of course, the ones being played indoors that aren't at least uh, in, in uh, danger of being affected somehow by weather. But the really uh, high probability ones, 
that you should keep an eye on. Uh, Dodgers at Nationals, that's a 75% chance of precipitation at game time. Uh, and then going down really only slightly and then going back up. So that one looks like that could be in real danger of cancellation. Uh, scheduled starters in uh, in that one uh, are Ross Stripling and Max Scherzer. So Max Scherzer uh, being affected by uh, some bad weather this week. And uh, I guess by uh, association, the rest of the, the Nationals rotation as well could be a bit of a mess. Uh, then also, uh, there are several of these. The Cubs at the Reds, uh, some bad weather there, 50 57% chance of precipitation at game time, and that holding pretty steady for several hours. So that one looks a little bit tricky. The Marlins at the Braves, uh, so maybe it's even not Matt Whistler. <laughs> maybe that one gets canceled. Uh, the 61% chance of precipitation at game time. That's a 7.35 scheduled start Eastern time at SunTrust Park. And uh, finally, Rangers at White Sox. And scheduled starters for that one are Matt Moore and Carson Fulmer. And similar deal there. 53% chance of precipitation at game time. Uh, and holding steady for several hours thereafter. And so those, again, are just sort of the the, the biggest ones are uh, scheduled right in St. Louis, uh, also in Pittsburgh. Those, though, look like they should be able to get those games in. So uh, no worries there. So, well, uh, got ahead to break. So while I did say there are a, a handful of uh, lineups that are in, maybe there'll be a few more that'll trickle in the next couple of minutes. So I'm going to Hold off on the lineups. Uh, so also when we come back from break, I will break down some of the performances uh, from Thursday. As I mentioned, Brandon Belt with a, a home run that continues a very interesting streak. A bunch of A's hitting really well. Dave Price with a good bounce back start. Going to look at all that and much, much more. So stick around. I'll be right back after this short break. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Yeah, welcome back. It's the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al, for tuning in. Uh, I have a uh, Jake Lamb update that just uh, came across my Twitter feed during the break. Uh, got uh, some uh, performances from last night to break down. Got a lot to get to. Uh, but first, uh, just a quick word here about mybookie.ag. Tired of losing all your money on DFS when 75% of your lineup performs? It's about time you tried the mybookie.ag props builder. Their new player props tool allows, allows you to avoid sharks winning 90% of the money in DFS while still getting high payouts with its parlay capabilities. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. Forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. Go to mybookie.ag, open a new account, and enter the promo code FNTSY, and you'll receive a 50% Deposit bonus. Don't be a loser and eat DFS chalk while paying DFS rake. Be a winner and play the mybookie.ag prop builder. Plus, you can access the one sport not yet touched by DFS, the sport of kings. That's right, horse racing. Play, win, and get paid at the safest online sports book in the world. Three-step process, very simple. First, go to mybookie.ag, open an account. Second, 
enter the promo code FNTSY and receive your 50% deposit deposit bonus. And third and finally, click the player props tool, choose your player prop, and collect your winnings. So that's mybookie.ag. Enter the promo code FNTSY. So I know you've been waiting on that Jake Lamb update, and the update is he's been activated. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the Diamondbacks lineup because it, it would seem like they absolutely have to find a way to keep Daniel Descalso in it. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to check right now and see if it's not out. Uh, they're playing the Mets at City Field. The Mets lineup is out, so hopefully that Diamonds back, Diamondbacks lineup, or Diamonds back, if you prefer that, uh, that lineup is not far away. Uh, but let's go, go through the lineups together, shall we, uh, that are already out. We've got the Pirates hosting the Padres at 7.05 PNC Park. Ivan Nova and Tyson Ross. And this is one I'm going to get to a little bit later. Interesting matchup, I think. And uh, let's see, you got Adam Frazier back at second base, gets the righty Tyson Ross. And Austin Meadows in center field, batting seventh. Uh, so uh, you've got your lineup there of Polanco, Meadows, and Dickerson with Marte now, of course, on the DL. Everything else looking pretty much normal there. Uh, Elias Diaz catching. Uh, I, I I did not see it, but I had read that uh, Francisco Cervelli got a little banged up again in that game yesterday. So check on that as well for your daily and week uh, week weekly lineup needs. All right, that Mets lineup that I just mentioned that is out. Uh, so facing Zach Godley and the Diamondbacks, uh, Nimmo leading off and in left field, and uh, Conforto and Bruce rounding out the outfield there. Adrian Gonzalez at first. Mesoraco catching, so pretty much nothing too unusual there for the Mets lineup. Uh, both Orioles and Red Sox lineups are out. This is going to be Alex Cobb and Drew Pomeranz at Fenway at uh, 710 Eastern. And nothing unusual there, particularly for a lineup against uh, a lefty Drew Pomeranz. Uh, 789, I think, is the same as it was against David Price. Valencia. Uh, batting seventh, playing third. Joey Rickard playing right, batting eighth. Andrew Susak batting ninth and catching. Uh, Susak a little bit, uh, not so much him as Kevin Gosman, uh, but a little bit uh, controversial uh, from last night's game. I will talk about that uh, in just a little bit later on in this segment. And also related to Andrew Susak, when I made my my stupid uh, joke about uh, renaming your team, stuff your stories in a Susak. Well, the, the great folks at Roto War where have already created that T-shirt. So you can, you can go out and get your own uh, Stuff Your Stories in a Susak T-shirt. That is just pure awesomeness. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And it's a great T-shirt, great design. Uh, I digress, though. Red Sox lineup. Uh, let's see. We've got, uh, looks like no Mitch Moreland. So we've got uh, Betts. Uh, Bradley and Benintendi in the outfield. Uh, Hanley Ramirez at first. J.D. Martinez DHing. You pretty much know that drill. Eduardo Nunez back at second base, batting seventh. Christian Vasquez back behind the plate, batting ninth. Uh, then the Braves lineup I mentioned is out. I pretty much went through that one already. Uh, but just to reiterate, Tyler Flowers catching. Jose Bautista batting third. Johan Camargo not Dansby Swanson batting eighth and playing shortstop. Uh, so Swanson may be a day or two away from returning. Uh, this against Dan Straley and the Marlins. And Matt Wisler, not uh, as earlier thought Max Freed. Matt Wisler starting for the Braves. And then only other lineup I see that is out right now is the White Sox, which actually was the first lineup out, even though it's a central time game. The guaranteed rate field, 7-10 central start. And... Looks like the usual lineup there against a lefty, uh, Matt Moore for the Rangers. Carson Fulmer going for the White Sox. So uh, I will try to keep my uh, eye out for that Diamondbacks lineup in particular, uh, just to ensure that Jake Lamb, who's just activated, is actually in it, and also to see what happens to, to Daniel Descalso. Uh, so, uh, but if other ones come up, which they almost certainly will, try to get those in as well as best as I can. Okay, so uh, like I said, lots of noteworthy performances from Thursday's game. 
Thursday's games. There were there was more than one. It wasn't a huge slate, but it wasn't just one game. Brandon Belt hit his 10th home run of the season, one of two hits he got against the Rockies. That is his fourth straight game with a home run, which is pretty cool and noteworthy unto itself. And to me, it felt like a little bit of deja vu because I thought, well, I remember Belt being on a home run streak, but it didn't seem like it was all within this week. And my memory served me right. It's the second time this season that Belt has had a four-game homer streak. Two times uh, in less than two months. That is really cool. So maybe he'll do this every month. Maybe in June we'll have a four-game homer streak. I don't know. Uh, And that previous one, he actually had five homers over a six-game span, but four consecutively. So he's obviously locked in and hot and needs to be started. Chris Davis with a very big game. Chris Davis with a K. uh, Reached uh, five times, four for four, plus he was hit by a pitch. Plus, uh, one of those four hits was his 13th home run of the year. So this was against the Blue Jays. A's uh, lineup up and down. Uh, pretty good job against the Blue Jays. Also a big game for Matt Ch- uh, Matt Chapman. Three for four with his eighth home run of the season and his fifth double. He also walked. And uh, Dustin Fowler, not really a big game for him. Just went one for four, but he did walk. And he also stole his first base. So... Not a bad game at all for uh, for Dustin Fowler. Uh, that hit was just his third since being called up. He's three for 19, only three Ks. So it's not uh, it's not a BABIP issue uh, for for Dustin Fowler. Um, but here here's the thing. So or, or I, I actually should reverse that because I knew something didn't sound right about that. It's potentially a BABIP issue for Dustin Fowler. Because uh, he's only struck out three times. So he's putting the ball in play is what I'm taking a really long time to getting around to saying. But here's a discouraging small, sam- small sample stat. Uh, and again, so he's not, you know, he's only had 19 at bats. Uh, you know, we're not talking about that many balls in play. But on the ones that Fowler has put into play, he has an 82.9 exit velocity on the balls in play that are fly balls and line drives. 82.9 miles an hour. That is exceedingly low. And when I say that's exceedingly low, here's what I mean. Of all the players that have had 10 balls in play to this date, and over nearly two months, uh, 10 balls in play is not a very large sample at all. But try to keep this apples to apples here. So uh, the, the the pool of, of hitters that have put at least 10 balls into play, only four of them, and this is a but large pool. I, I don't remember the exact number, but I mean, we're talking hundreds of players have done this uh, 10 or more balls in play this year of, of that entire pool of players, which Fowler is now a part of only four have a lower exit velocity on airborne balls in play. Billy Hamilton, who by far has the most balls in play out of this group. Boog Powell, who pre- preceded, Dustin Fowler earlier in the year as the uh, ace center fielder. So Billy Hamilton, Boog Powell, Carlos Tochi, rule five pick for the Rangers who, you know, is there for speed and defense, uh, at least when he, when he was healthy and on the active roster. And Francisco Pena, who is now pretty much by default splitting catching duties with the Cardinals. Those are the only players with 10 or more batted balls that have a lower exit velocity on fly balls and line drives than Dustin Fowler so far. So that that's a little discouraging, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything predictive. Uh, it basically just means he's not getting much done in his first games with the A's. Uh, maybe he's rusty. Uh, I mean, he did it, spend some time in the minors, but you know, I mean, he you know he had never batted in the major leagues before this this current stint. He had that one game with the Yankees where he didn't even get to bat because he got hurt uh, making that, that play in the outfield, uh, that, that gruesome play that we all remember. But, uh, you know, so this is his first exposure to the majors, and it's it's not going that well in the very, very early going. Uh, but again, doesn't necessarily mean anything about going forward. just means that, I suppose, you uh, you know, it just means you. If you have Dustin Fowler and you, you plugged him right into your lineup right away because you were excited he was up, no reason to really give him extra benefit of the doubt at this point. I'm not saying drop him. I'm definitely not saying trade him. Uh, 
but I'm just saying that uh, I don't think you need to give him a really long leash uh, in terms of playing time right now until we, we do see more power from him. Uh, Justin Turner has looked really good since uh, coming in, coming off the DL. He went three for four on Thursday with a couple of doubles, his first two doubles of the season against the Marlins. And he is now off to a six for 13 start to his season. So no rust there at all for uh, Justin Turner. And now let me get to that uh, situation that I alluded to earlier with Andrew Susak, but it really wasn't, I don't think it was so much about him. Now I did not see this, uh, but the Red Sox collectively stole five bases off of the the battery of Gosman and Susak. And so from the accounts that I've read, uh, it sounds like it was much more Gosman's responsibility. But what's interesting is that I, I would have been inclined not not reading anything and not having seen anything to blame Susak because he's not really had a great history. It's limited, but not a great history of throwing out would-be base stealers. On the other hand, Gosman, prior to this game, that was not really ever a problem for him in terms of of people running on him. So five stolen bases off of Gosman and Susak, Mookie Betts with three of them, Jackie Bradley with one, Hanley Ramirez with one. Uh, so something to keep an eye on there for uh, future starts for Gosman and, and maybe even tonight uh, with Susak behind the plate against, against, against the Red Sox and maybe see if uh, Alex Cobb has any better luck preventing uh, the stolen base with, with uh, Susak getting the start again. Be interesting to watch. We'll definitely, uh, definitely need to keep an eye on that. CJ Crone was the topic of much conversation on Thursday's show because Nando and I were trying to figure out a trade on the air. And what we got it down to was just a straight up CJ Crone for Domingo Herman trade. I told him I'd, I'd sit on it for a couple of hours. I did. I went back and forth. I, I very nearly had myself talk, talked into doing it. Really, really close. I took one more look at their stats, and I couldn't do it. Could not give up Domingo Herman for C.J. Crone. So C.J. Crone, probably unrelated to that that trade discussion and, and my rejection of the trade offer, probably unrelated to that, homered again last night. His 11th home run of the season went two for five. His slash line is now up to 289, 339, 522. And I believe still, I think this is the the stats I cite the stat I cited on yesterday's show. But I think he's the fourth ranking first baseman in terms of roto value. So in a season where, and again, Nando and I talked about this a little bit. We didn't get in too deep, but uh, in a season where you know Paul Goldschmidt and Anthony Rizzo have been horribly disappointing, and uh, you know a whole bunch of others from Matt Olson to uh, Reese Hoskins to Jose Martinez. Cody Bellinger, you know, they've all not met expectations up to this point. Croton has blown away everybody's expectations, including mine. And I made him the the subject of a of a very positive bold prediction that he'd hit 35 home runs. And he's he's well on his way to that. But the thing that I I said on the show yesterday was I have a really hard time trusting what Crone is doing because he's not hitting for power the way he did it late last season where he was going all fly ball and um, fly ball heavy and, and pull heavy. And that skept- it's good that I followed up on that skepticism. I went to xstats.org, uh, you know, where they, they base uh, uh, their uh, the, the stats that they have there um, on launch angle, exit velocity. And Crohn's uh, xstat stat line Expected batting average 246, expected on-base percentage of 299, expected slugging 424. Pretty much identical to last year, including the the good second half. So I said no thanks, because I think what Herman's doing is is very legit, and I at least have questions about what whether or not what Cronus is doing is legit. And uh one more hitter to get to, Carlos Santana, after a very, very slow start, heating up. Hopefully you uh, kept the faith with them. Hit his eighth home run last night against the Cardinals. Uh, now over his last 11 games, he has 13 for 43 for a 302 batting average with six home runs, four doubles, and a triple. 
The only thing that looks well, the, the batting average looks odd because Santana's not typically a great batting average producer, more of an on base guy. Uh, but also the fact that he's got more homers than doubles. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, we'll take it. We'll take it. And certainly, you've had to figure he's going to be a better hitter than he showed during the, the first month or so of the season. So, time to hit it for uh, hit another break already. Haven't even gotten to the pitchers yet. A lot of good pitching performances from last night. We'll get to those. Plus, we'll look at the slate tonight and next week as well. Stick around, lots to get to. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Up out of there. <laughs> Ain't nothing but against the party. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And, um, you know, I made a, a change on the fly earlier when I saw that uh, Matt Wisler was going to be starting uh, instead of uh, uh, Max Freed. And I may have to make another change on the fly here because I was going to talk about the Phillies facing possibly as many as four lefties next week. But uh, just before the break, got the uh, alert here that the Blue Jays have placed Jaime Garcia, who is one of those uh, lefty starters that was scheduled to start against the Phillies next week. Uh, So Garcia placed on the DL with left shoulder inflammation, retroactive to May 16th. They've called up Deck McGuire from AAA Buffalo. So um, not sure how uh, the uh, Blue Jays rotation is going to shake out now for next week. Also, uh, again, just uh, during the break here, got uh, this uh, announcement from the Mets that Juan Lagares has been placed on the 10-day DL as an expected to miss the rest of the season. He hyperextended the big toe on his left foot. The MRI revealed a complete tear of the big toe planter plate. This is just from the Mets statement directly. Um, And yeah, expected to be out for the rest of the season, going to have surgery uh, tentatively scheduled for next week. And uh, Mets have uh, brought back Jerry Blevins from the paternity list to take uh, Ligaris's spot on the, uh, on the roster. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a big blow there. Uh, and uh, the Diamondbacks who are facing the Mets tonight, that lineup is out. And kind of what I suspected uh, that Jake Lamb is in the lineup. He was activated. He's batting third, playing third. Descalso also in the lineup at second base. And Cattell Marte uh, at shortstop. Uh, Descalso batting fifth. Marte batting sixth. So uh, that's uh, basically how the uh, Diamondbacks have adjusted there. Uh, that's the lineup that they have against uh, Jacob deGrom tonight. Uh, so, anyways, lots more to uh, to get to here. Uh, before I do get to all of it, uh, I know you've heard me talk about the DailyRoto.com dollar month here on the show. Uh, but I do want to put it in context for you. Let's say you buy a lottery ticket, you pay your dollar, and you pick a bunch of numbers, and that's it. You clutch the ticket and you hope. But now, let's say you try DailyRoad.com's dollar month, you pay your dollar, you get access for 30 days, and you're transported into a world that's produced five millionaires. So take destiny into your own hands, go to DailyRoad.com, and enter the code $1, all spelled out, all one word, O-N-E dollar, one word, that's DailyRoad.com, and enter that code $1. So uh, I talked about uh, some of the Good hitting performances from Thursday's games. A whole bunch of good pitching performances. Uh, No one, though, more notable than David Price bouncing back in a big way against the Orioles, tossing a complete game. Two runs allowed on five hits and no walks. That's very good to see. And eight strikeouts. So uh, I don't know if it's just he's not dealing with the effects of carpal tunnel syndrome or exactly what happened there, but uh, highly encouraging start, to say the very least, for... uh, for David Price. 
Uh, Vince Velasquez, who's, you know, has, has sort of been the pattern, uh, been up and down. Uh, he went six and a third against the Cardinals. They did not give up a run. And only two walks, which is always good to see from Velasquez. Five hits, five strikeouts. And there's now an interesting pattern. And, you know, we're, we're early enough in the season that when you're splitting up data into, into splits, not very eloquently put, but let me continue. Uh, when you're you're you know putting data into splits, obviously you're you're still dealing with some pretty small samples. But there is a, a narrative you could take away here with Velasquez that at home at Citizens Bank Park, where his fly ball tendencies you would think would get him into trouble, he has allowed 2.6 home runs per nine innings so far this year, and he has a 6.10 ERA there. In all of his other starts, including Thursdays, which was at Bush Stadium, a good pitcher's park. And by and large, his road starts have been at good pitcher's parks. He has a 0.7 home run to nine inning ratio and a 3.04 ERA. Hmm. Interesting. So I would definitely not start Vince Velasquez at home, but a lot of those road starts looking looking pretty enticing. Luke Weaver with a good uh, bounce back start. Uh, went seven innings, just allowing one run against the Phillies, so opposing Velasquez in that pitcher's duel. Uh, one run on four hits, just one walk. That's also very key to see for him. Six strikeouts. Weaver's issues have really been just you know pretty much all control this season. And this start against the Phillies, he threw 44% of his pitches in the strike zone. That is his highest ratio since his very first start of the season. So something to build on there for Luke Weaver. Kenta Maeda, eight shutout innings at Marlins Park. Uh, only two hits around, no walks, and uh, eight strikeouts. So uh, a good, uh, very good start there for Maeda, who, you know, talk about Vince Velasquez being being up and down. Kenta Maeda, uh, certainly with inconsistencies of his own. And really, and I guess sort of similar with Velasquez, too, good swing and miss ability. And this start, this is pretty neat. 17 swings and misses. 23 called strikes. Don't often see that combination. That's total dominance. And yet, this was only the second quality start that Maeda had all season long uh, in eight starts. So, you know, the, the consistency is really, really, really an issue for Maeda. Doug Fister and James Shields facing off each, against each other and both pitching very well. Fister, uh, seven scoreless innings, six hits, no walks, four Ks. He has a 3.08 ERA this month with three quality starts and four tries. Uh, James Shields has a 3.46 ERA in May with three quality starts and four tries. Similar. Uh, Shields went with seven and a third, one run on three hits and three walks with eight strikeouts. But between the two, even though Shields has allowed a, a crazy low Babbitt below 200, I'm buying what he's doing a little bit more. The strikeout to walk ratio, a little bit better. And... His ISO for the month over those four starts, 0.088, which is great. I mean, anything in the low 100s or lower is good. And backed up by a 24% hard contact rate, well below the major league average. So maybe James Shields have a little bit of a, a comeback season here. Chris Archer with a, a very good start against the Angels. Uh, just five strikeouts and four walks in six and two-thirds. Maybe he can chalk that up as much to the matchup, though, as to Archer. No runs on two hits. So pretty encouraging for him. Uh, Tyler Skaggs opposing Archer. Went six innings, one run on six hits, three walks and seven Ks. And then we had a, a matchup here where I avoided both of these pitchers, Matt Boyd and Marco Gonzalez. I like them both very much. But a couple of lefties facing teams that are good against lefties, and they both did just fine. Boyd, in particular, nine strikeouts over six innings, two runs, six hits, one walk. Uh, Gonzalez against the Tigers, five and two-thirds, one unearned run. Uh, that was it. Five hits, uh, one walk, only two strikeouts. And over his last four starts, Gonzalez has a total of only 16 strikeouts, in 23 and two-thirds innings with a 6% whiff rate. But bear in mind, first of all, Gonzalez is not, he could be a strikeout guy like he was earlier in the year, but it's going to be more on the called strike than on the swinging strike. And those four starts, two have now been, his last two, but against the Tigers. And again, good team against lefties, also a very good contact hitting team. 
and the Indians and the Angels, also good contact hitting teams. So that whiff rate, you, you can't really expect that to necessarily be in the double digits, but I think he's had a particularly rough schedule um, in, in terms of getting strikeouts. So just bear that in mind with Marco Gonzalez. Uh, so, all right, as promised, I want to spend a, a little bit of time, uh, maybe not as much as I had hoped, but a little bit of time on tonight's slate because it's probably not going to be a full 15 games because of some of the weather issues that I talked about earlier, but should still be a pretty pretty healthy slate. And some really uh, interesting matchups, both uh, pitching-wise and hitting-wise. Uh, so as far as the pitchers go, I just could not bring myself to start Kyle Gibson. He was available in, in one of my daily lineup leagues. He was there for the for the taking. And I just couldn't really get on board with starting him against Milwaukee. Uh, th- the thing with Gibson is I, I love the strikeouts. I like the overall numbers, but he, for years, has been one of the worst control pitchers in the majors. And that doesn't worry me so much against the Brewers. But the thing is that when he is allowing contact, it is fairly hard contact. And the Brewers... Uh, are are a very good power hitting team. So uh, I put this to a poll to see, you know, kind of see, am I being too conservative about this? Am I not giving Kyle Gibson his due? And uh, I'm pulling up the, the results right now, but when I checked in earlier, it was overwhelmingly in favor of starting Gibson. I found results here. And by almost a two-to-one margin, 66% to 34%, uh, you voted... Yes, start Kyle Gibson tonight against uh, Brent Suter and the Milwaukee Brewers. So interesting. I'm in very much the minority on that one. Instead, in that league where I passed on him, I picked up both CeCe Sabathia, who's facing the Royals in KC, and Kyle Freeland, who's facing the Giants in San Francisco at AT AT&T Park. A couple of lefties against teams that don't hit lefties that great, who don't hit for that much power other than Brandon Belt. And again, got a lefty-lefty matchup there. So I love those matchups. Uh, Freeland's on on a really nice run. Uh, Sabathia, not great the last time out, but generally been very good this season. So I like them. Uh, And in terms of hitters, I had mentioned earlier that I thought that uh, the uh, Padres-Pirates matchup was interesting. More for the Padres, because it's not that often that I'm going to see a matchup where I say, oh, man, the Padres hitters, you gotta gotta you know get them in bunches. But uh, Nova's really struggled lately, and three of their hitters in particular, the Padres hitters, uh, Travis Jankowski, Franchi Cordero, and Eric Hosmer, have really really good numbers against right-handers this year. So would we'll definitely look to start them, and also uh, the A's versus uh, the Blue Jays. Of course, they A's uh, put up some good numbers last night. Tonight is Eric, uh, Eric Estrada. That's a, that's that's awesome that I just said that. Not Eric Estrada. Marco Estrada uh, starting for the Blue Jays. And uh, the A's, one of the better hitting teams in the major leagues against fly ball pitchers. Estrada, uh, maybe the fly balliest starting pitcher in the major leagues over the last several years. And, uh, you know, has struggled with those fly ball and home run tendencies this year. So Chris Davis had the big game last night. Uh, he absolutely needs to be started. And also Jed Lowry uh, needs to be started against Marco uh, Estrada. And uh, I'm also just looking. We do have a Blue Jays lineup. So let me make sure that. Uh, oh, no, we have Blue Jays. Lineup. We don't have a, a, an A's lineup. So I would assume that Davis and Lowry will be in there. I think also, you know, Mark Canna and uh, Matt Joyce. Also have very good uh, numbers against fly ball pitchers. Uh, if they're in there, which I'd be a little less certain about. So uh, there you go. That's just a few thoughts that I have about the slate tonight. Uh, but again, keep keep an eye on uh, you know some of those games. And again, in particular, if you missed this earlier in the show, Dodgers at the Nationals, Cubs at the Reds, Marlins at uh, the Braves, and Rangers at the White Sox, uh, those in particular, I would uh, really check on before uh, finalizing any sort of daily lineup. All right, so uh, a little bit of time that I've got left here. Let's look ahead to next week, week nine. You might be calling it week eight, depending whether or not you had a long or a short first week. Whatever you want to call it, uh, you've only got two teams 
that have five game schedules going to the into the week. That's the Cubs and the Giants. Cubs have a two game series against the Indians uh, to start off with, and then three games uh, against the Giants, all at Wrigley Field. And uh, that, of course, the Giants mentioned they're the other team uh, with the five. Uh, game week uh, so their first two games are at Houston so pretty brutal week for the Giants so as much as you might be liking uh, Brandon Belt right now regardless so I guess unless he just stays crazy hot over the weekend uh, I probably would sit him uh, you know plus there's some there's some tough uh, matchups you got uh, Garrett Cole and uh, Justin Verlander starting off the week before you head over uh, to, to face the Cubs so uh Good week to, to be cautious uh, starting your San Francisco Giants. And uh, like I said, also the, the, the Cubs as well. A uh, few more teams with seven-game schedules. You've got the uh, Brewers, Mets, Orioles, White Sox, Royals, and uh, Texas Rangers. And um, before I break those down a little bit, something to keep in mind because you know, we've had so many weather cancellations is really uh, kind of of uh, being extra careful with your two-star pitchers. So you know, I'm, now I've really become quite cautious with teams in, in a six-game six week, where if one game gets canceled, then that that probably ruins the the two-start schedule. But if you got seven games, whoever's starting on Monday is pretty close to a lock for getting two starts. So. Uh, for the Brewers, that's going to be Chase Anderson coming off the DL uh, with an illness. And again, I understand that you might be reluctant to start right away, but at least, you know, those two starts seem almost certain for Chase Anderson. Uh, Zach Wheeler uh, versus Miami at Milwaukee. I mean, those look like pretty much of a lock. Andrew Kashner at the White Sox at the Rays. Pretty good matchups. Was you know has been decent, but not you know overwhelming, but maybe just good enough that you could consider starting uh, Kashner. Hector Santiago looks like a lock. I'm still staying away from him, even though it's uh, versus Baltimore for this first start. And then also at Detroit, I'd stay away. Uh, Bartolo Colon, he looks like he is a lock for versus the Yankees versus the Royals. I'm probably probably staying away there. Uh, as good as as Colon has been. Uh, who am I leaving out here? Oh, the Royals, Ian Kennedy. That's at uh, St. Louis, at Texas. I'm I'm staying away there. But just, you know, the point being that these folks look uh, pretty much as locked in as one can be to actually make a pair of scheduled starts. So uh, just to uh, to bear that in mind. And then just to wrap up here, like I said, the Phillies before uh, – Jaime Garcia went on the DL. Looked like they were set to face uh, four left-handed stars. Still could just face, they could face three. That's good news for Cesar Hernandez, Odubel Herrera, and Aaron Altair. So uh, even with Garcia going on the DL, uh, those are uh, some hitters that you should consider uh, starting, if you can, for the coming week. And that is going to be the week for me. Time to head for the weekend. Hope you all have a great one. And uh, be back here on Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And uh, best of luck to you this weekend. And I'll be taking your lineup questions on 